generations of, of, of women in this family. Amen. Praise the Lord. We serve a good God, do we not? Could have just kept singing that. Why would I, why should I fear? For the evidence is here. Amen. The book of Proverbs chapter 14. The book of Proverbs chapter 14. Hallelujah. And after, after we do this, we'll dismiss our kids. They're anxious. They're anxious to go. Praise the Lord. The book of Proverbs chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. When you got it, say so. It says this. It says, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish pulls it down with her hands. He who walks in his uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is perverse in his ways despises him. In the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. Lord, thank you so much for your wisdom. Thank you for the moms that are in this place. If it wasn't for them, we would not be here. And so we're grateful for them, Lord. And we just ask you in this morning that you would speak to each and every one that is in this place. Those who are joining us online, God, that your voice would be heard and Lord, even though we'll deal specifically with women and moms today, I pray that we as your church would hear what you are saying to your church, and that we would realize that the principles that are declared concerning moms and women in this morning, Lord God, are applicable to our lives as your followers, God. And so Lord, we pray that you remove distractions from our minds and our hearts, that you build our faith stronger in you, and that you align us more clearly with your will and your purpose in the building projects that you have given us trust of, Lord. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And our children are dismissed to their classes at this moment. So they'll meet their teachers in the back as our, as our children are running to core kids. <laughs> I don't know if they're running to core kids or they're running from us, but they're running nonetheless. So that's a good thing, right? They could be like, nah, I don't want to go. So. So that's that. We'll, we'll take that as a win, glory to God. But if you don't have an outline, if you don't have an outline, raise your hand, and the ushers will be sure to get you an outline. Just keep your hand up, and we'll be sure to get you an outline. Want to be able to want you to be sure that you are able to follow along with us as we walk through the text of Scripture, and hopefully you'll take this with you to the rest of your week. Glory to God. And so I hope for you parents that are in here, just really quickly, as we're getting settled, I hope that you were able to use the, the app and you were able to sign your children in, because that is what we want to do. We want to be able to sign our children in when you come in and when you pull into the parking lot, you can actually do that. That will help our uh, kids' ministry know who's coming to class and who is here. So that's important to us. But this morning, I want to jump into a Mother's Day message entitled, Wise Women. Wise women, hallelujah. The book of Proverbs, this is one of the texts that has jumped out at me in a big way. And I hope, you know, oftentimes whenever we think about men, right, and whenever we're talking to men, we encourage them to read through the book of Proverbs, right, at least a monthly thing to make it a habit to where they will open up the book of Proverbs and read like one proverb a day. You know, one proverb a day keeps stupid away, hallelujah. That applies to men and women. It just applies to people, right? Uh, one proverb a day. Learn. We're looking at the book of Proverbs. The wisdom of God will keep stupid away. You'll, you'll find yourself. If you make these a daily meditation of yours, then you will learn. But the book of Proverbs in general is a father 
who is writing to a son. And as he is writing to his son, he is instructing his son in certain things. He's making his son know what are the wise things to do and what are the unwise things to do. What are the things that you should cling to and hold to and run towards? And what are the things that you should flee from, that you should stay away from? He, he, he makes this juxtaposition between the things that are wise, the things that are foolish throughout the book of Proverbs as we see here in this text as well. And what we find here is the scriptures are communicating to us. And so what I want you to know, if you have your outline, you can follow along in the introduction. Whether intentionally or not, we are all part of and products of building projects. Hallelujah. Whether, whether it was intentional, whether your, your parents meant to do it, right, or whether it just happened, you were part of a building project. And the fact is this, our family lives are the place where we are built or developed. That's another word there for, for built. As you see in the book of Proverbs, a wise woman will build her house. She will establish. She will develop her house. She will build it. And, and so for better or for worse, and, and, and what I believe firmly is this, is that there's probably never been a time where we need wise women who are part of a home-building project with the purpose of raising the next generation of men and women who fear God, who trust God, and who love God. I don't know, I don't know if you realize this. I don't know if you're paying attention to what is going on, but it has become more abundantly clear in the days in which we live that our children are under attack. And what, and what my hope is, is that there are some mama bears in the house who say, oh, no, no, not today, Satan. Not my kids, not my children, not, my, not, not the ones that I carried for nine months, glory to God, that I almost died giving birth to. No, 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 no. You're not going to have them. See, that's what we need in the women of faith is women to say, wait a second, wait a second, glory to God. I'm not going to allow the attack of the enemy to just happen. I'm not going to sit idle by and stand. See, if a bully walked up to your kids, come on now. <laughs> see, see, some moms, they got to they gotta, they gotta be restrained. That's why they have, uh, you know, school officers, glory to God. You thought they were there for the safety of the kids. No, 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 no. They were there to keep moms at bay, glory to God. <laughs> You, you, you thought they were there for other reasons. No, no, no. They, they had a mama bear who walked up on a campus and slapped someone upside the head one time. They're like, hold on a second. We can't let this happen. You know, I'm joking. But it is true. It might be true. Some, some of these things, you don't know where they came from, right? Uh, why they started, what, they happen, what, what, what happens now. But, but what has to happen, and my hope, is that we have some moms who recognize, man, we have been given a charge over our children. We have been given a charge over the next generation. And while we are a church that is pro-man all day long, we want men to know that they are leaders of their households. We want men to know that they are called to lead spiritually and to build faith into their families. We don't ignore the women. Come on now. We understand the value of godly women. We understand that God, listen, Adam was alone in the garden, and God said it's not good for him to be alone. You know why? Not just because, you know, other reasons why you may think of, but the fact was this. It wasn't good for him to be alone because he wasn't going to be able to fulfill his purpose without Eve. That word helper is not a dirty word. Come on now. I know for some in our generation, we hear the word helper, and we're like, oh, I'm not a helper. I'm a, wait, you, listen, 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 you're a leader. You're still a helper, glory to God. 
Now, some of you may be in a situation where you're a single mom and that, and that's different, right? That you're, you're, you're not called, you're, you're, you are called to lead in your family. And so we need to have that mentality. But nonetheless, either way, single mom, mom that is married or a grandmother, come on now. You may be an aunt that is a, that is a mom because someone else is not available you may be a sister that is a mom because someone else is not available. I mean, we have a lot of situations, do we not, that are, that are different. And so what we have to realize is the ladies, ladies, you're important. Come on now. You are important to the body of Christ. You are important to the world in which we live. Don't, don't sleep on, on your importance and your value. And let's realize that, that, man, we have a situation here that is going on in our days that is dire the attack that is on our children. Listen, if you just talk to your kids, talk to your middle schooler, talk to your elementary school kid, talk to your high school kid, and you'd be like, man, they're going through stuff I didn't go through. I, I wasn't worried about that kind of stuff when I was in elementary school. I wasn't concerned with that kind of stuff when I was in middle school. Those, those types of things weren't being shoved in my face. Come on now. So we need moms that raise up kids who fear God, who respect who God is. We need moms who teach our kids to trust God. That means to obey him. Because you can say you trust him, but if you don't obey him, you don't really trust him. We need moms who are instructing their kids in the love of God, how to love him, how to, how to worship him. That's the kind of moms that we need in our days today. And so here's the thing that I want you to think about today. A wise woman builds her home with intentionality and integrity. A wise woman builds her home with intentionality and integrity. There is intention behind how you build. Whenever, listen, when, when you think about a house that's going to be built that house, someone doesn't just say, well, hey, you know what? I think I need some bricks. I think I need some, some, some grout. I think I need some wood. I think I need some. No, 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 no. There's a plan that goes into that building. There is a process. There is a thought that goes into that building. There is a, 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 a thought that is behind it that makes it very intentional. Everything you do, if you've ever been on a construction site and, you, and you'll see they, they bring certain things at certain times because there is intention. The way the building of the house happens, there is a way. There's a reason why there are so many two-by-fours. Quick story. Yeah. When I was 16 years old, I, 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 was, I used to frame houses. I was part of a framing team, and we were building this custom home. One time, we, don't, we didn't normally do custom homes. We normally did just regular neighborhoods, but we were helping another crew out. And so I'm a 16-year-old guy, and this is my first, like, real job, like, man's job. You know? And so I'm over there, and, 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 I, and I get along with these guys, and I work hard, and I, and I know how to use a measuring tape. Praise the Lord. <laughs> got my pouch, got my hammer, and they're like, okay, listen, this is a two-story house. We're going to leave you down in the garage with the wood, and you're going to cut the wood by the measurements we give you. And then we're going to go ahead, you're going to send us the wood up, and you're not going to have to run up and down, and so we'll make it. I was like, all right, that sounds good to me. So I'm downstairs, and, you know, they send me a measurement. They send me the measurement, and I'm like, okay, I confirm the measurement. This is the, yes, this is the measurement. I go ahead, I measure, and, I, and I'm in the groove, right? It's, it's first thing in the morning, and as I'm there measuring everything out, I measured every single one of these boards exactly the same. Threw them up there, they were a foot short. Hallelujah. 
So we had to become, you know, ingenious in, in the way that we fix that. They were upset with me. And I'm like, look, man, y'all told me this was the measurement. I have no way to confirm or not. I don't know if I, if I measured them correctly or not. Or if they, well, according, apparently my measurement was wrong, but I don't know if it was them telling me the wrong measurement or if I didn't measure twice, cut once. I don't know. I know I confirmed what they said. But nonetheless, the point is we had to figure out a way to use other wood that was there that happened to be extra, which usually doesn't happen because what? They send you just enough material to build exactly what you're going to be building. They had a deadline to meet, so they had to get ingenious with what they were doing. The point is that a wise woman builds with intentionality. Ladies, here's where you get your intention. Right here, this is the blueprint. You want to know what you're called to do? Don't go to Oprah. <laughs> Definitely don't go to The View. Come on now. Amen. 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 If they got the wrong view, trust you me. They ain't seeing things clearly. I know some of y'all like The View. You got offended. It's okay. I love you. I watch them when I want to get mad, when I want to have motivation to pray, glory to God. I watch clips. I don't actually sit down and watch the show. But here's what I'm saying. Right here, this does not change. You know what will change? The view on the view will change. Oh, it will change. Watch it long enough. You'll see that somebody's going to make a video where Whoopi Goldberg said this over here, and then she said that over here. All depending on who was running for office. Come on now. Glory to God. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It all depends on what law is being challenged. It all depends on what's going on in the culture. But you know what does not change? And it's not just whoopee. Come on now. Anyway. Let me stand over here. Y'all getting upset at me over there. Just in case you missed it from over there. This is it. This right here is the blueprint. This is where you get your intentionality. This is where you know what God wants and what God doesn't want. This is where you learn what you should be looking for in your children, what you should be pouring into your children, what you should be expecting of your children. You find that in the book. This is the blueprint. God's crystal clear. It doesn't change no matter what changes in our culture, no matter what changes in our society. The blueprints that God gives do not change. They don't change. Intentionality and integrity, integrity. She builds with intentionality, but she also builds with integrity. She doesn't just build according to a blueprint, expect you to get it and figure it out, but she actually builds as she's building her own life. She doesn't expect you not to have a potty mouth, and she has one. She doesn't expect you not to have fits of rage, but she's walking around raging all day long. It's integrity, right? She doesn't expect you to forgive, but man, she ain't ever forgiven. I'm just saying. It's quiet on this Mother's Day. A wise woman builds her home with intentionality, and integrity. The first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, wise women build their husbands up. Wise women build their husbands up. 
Bishop, I thought you were talking about children. I, we will. But if you are married, this applies to you. If you're not married, you could check out for the next few minutes. I'm just kidding. Don't check out. Take some notes. Help somebody else out. Glory to God. You may be married one day. You may need these words. Wise women build their husbands. One of the ill effects of the fall and lasting struggles between men and women, especially in the household, is summed up in the words spoken in the Garden of Eden, in the book of Genesis chapter 3, if you're writing notes, is Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, and it is actually 16b. It is the second part of God's words to Eve. And he says this in the last portion there. He says, your desires shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. I know you don't like those words that I just said. <laughs> I don't like those words that I just read. And I'm a husband, right? Nonetheless, they're in the book, so we got we to gotta unpack what they mean, right? We got to look at what does that mean exactly. He will rule over you. Let me, exp- let, let, me, let me explain what this really is all about. If you look at chapter 4, you will notice something in chapter 4. You got to use scripture to interpret scripture. But when you go to chapter 4, you see in chapter 4 that there is a statement that God makes to Cain, and he said that sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you. Your desire shall be for your husband. Same word, same application. What what, what God is saying here is that what would have been natural in the garden now is going to be a struggle. What would have been normal in the garden before the fall is now going to be a contentious thing that is going to happen between husband and wife. Because it is what, what the struggle is, it is called a struggle for headship. It's a struggle for leadership. Who is going to be the leader of the home? If he doesn't lead the way I want him to lead, I'm just going to lead. If he doesn't do things the way that I think he should do, that's the reason why some of y'all stay single. Come on now. It's true. I don't don't want to, and I'm not saying everybody's single is because of that reason. There's other reasons. I'm just saying. There's some people like, I'm not trying to hear that. Listen, I was in premarital counseling one time. I will never forget it. Premarital counseling. And we're talking about the vows we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna read. And someone was like, um, can we take out the submit word? I'm like, didn't we just finish like eight weeks? Let's go back. Let's do this again. We need a redo, right? Because what? Because culture made this person feel like submission or respect for their spouse was an ugly word. I'm here to tell you that that person who said that, I know today is one of the most exemplary wives that I know. She got it. Just because someone says something that doesn't make sense uh, to me at the moment, it doesn't mean that they're not going to get it if they continue to submit to God. If they continue to seek God's will. If they continue to pursue God. He's declaring that what would have been normal. What would have been normal? What did I just say? I just said that Adam could not fulfill God's will without Eve coming along beside him. That meant they were, obviously, Adam wasn't going to have children. Even then, hello, men could not get pregnant and have children. That's being debated today. Anyway, anyway. He brings Eve into the picture, and if they would not have eaten of the fruit, you know what would have happened? They would have built a family, and Adam would have been the leader of the home And Eve would have been his helper in the home, and they would have raised children that would have honored God and glorified God. Nobody would have been struggling with who's the leader, who has the last word. Nobody would have been struggling with any of that. 
There would have been a natural uh, going back and forth, dealing with what was going on in the household, addressing those situations. Now, mind you, they wouldn't have had sin to deal with, right, because there would have been no sin in the picture. But nonetheless, there still was going to be work. There still was going to be development. And now we struggle. And and ladies, let me let you off the hook. It's not always you. Come on now. We, we, we as men, we get stubborn sometimes, you know, just sometimes. <laughs> once in a while, we get a little pig-headed, right? Once, once in a blue, we don't, we don't want to hear what anybody has to say, you know? Like, like when we're driving and you want to give us directions and we know where we're going, come on now. We're just taking the scenic route, trying to take you in the opposite direction. <laughs> GPS has delivered us from a lot of arguments. Just, just, just want to throw that out there. Praise the Lord. But what would have been natural, what would have been normal, is now a struggle. It is this thing. And here's, the, here's what happens. That is unless someone submits to God and seeks his will. I told you about the question in, in premarital counseling. And I told you what the fruit of that has become. This marriage is solid. This marriage is working well because they both decided that they would submit to God and seek God's will. And now they are walking in alignment. But here's the fact. This is what I want you to get. Husbands and wives will either be co-laborers or competitors. Wise women build their husbands up. Wise women build their husbands. They're not trying to compete with their husbands. They may know better than him. Come on now. <laughs> they, they may already have the answer, hallelujah, but they're not trying to be that, oh, I told you so. That's just ugly. There, there, there's no need for that. You're supposed to be a, a, a co-labor. You're supposed to be working together for what? To have a home that is going to be encouraging, a home that is going to rear up children that honor God, that love God, that fear God, that serve God, that love God. So that is what we want to see. See, here's what I want to say. Now, hear me. A man who honors his wife, loves his wife, and serves his wife does what? He demonstrates his children to his children his valuation of their mom. Let me say that again. A man who honors his wife, loves his wife, and serves his wife demonstrates to his children his valuation of their mom. I know this is Mother's Day, man, but, but we need to hear that. That's what we do. When we do those things, we're saying to our children, man, I value your mom. I love your mom. I serve her. These things. But a wife, now wives, now here we go. A wife who builds her husband up does what? She teaches her children the value of their father. She builds the man, and what does she do? She empowers him to lead successfully. Ladies, don't don't ever underestimate your power. A wise woman builds her home. A wise woman builds her house, or she tears it down with her hands. The foolish woman tears it down with her hands. The wise woman builds her house. And so we start with the building of her husband. She builds him. She, She encourages him. She doesn't blow smoke. Come on now. I'm not talking about the false news. I'm not talking about fake news with them and like, oh, you're just amazing. You never make a mistake. I can't stand when I hear stuff like that. Like, it's just a lie. It's just not true. It's not true. Listen, let me tell you something. You are looking at a fallen man. You are looking at a man who has issues. But you know who will never tell you about my issues? My beautiful wife. From her mouth, you ain't ever going to hear her talk about me. You know why? She'll tell me. Come on now. 
<laughs> she ain't got no problem, glory to God, letting me know. <laughs> but she is, but, but she builds her man. Come on now. She encourages her man. She, listen, and she's not just walking around always telling me about every single negative thing that I do. That ain't it. She's not like, like, like putting up a facade when she's in front of people and be like, oh, Bishop, he's perfect. She don't call me Bishop. She's like, Jason is perfect. She don't do that. But what she does is she makes sure that I'm built, but not just in, in public, but in private. See, because here's the thing. As strong as I may seem, there are plenty of moments that I'm insecure about something. I'm unsure about something. I'm not, I'm not really sure. And you know who encourages me the most? The one who knows me the best. See, wives, you got to know that. You know your husband better than anybody else. And, and, and if you will allow yourself to be, you can be that voice that builds him like no one else. Sometimes you got to tear down some pride. Do it graciously. Sometimes you got to bring the humility to his life. Do it lovingly. Do it kindly. Do it because you care for him. Come on now. But don't let that be the only thing you do. Don't just tear the guy down. You need to build him up, especially in front of your children. Come on now. Don't be, don't be making him the fool in front of your kids. Then your kids are going to be like, why do I need to listen to dad? You don't listen to him. It's important for us. A wise woman knows, and here, here, here's why this is possible. It's because a wise woman knows who she is in Christ. She is secure in her identity, and, and she, desires her, 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 she desires to partner with her husband in building a home that will do what? Leave a lasting legacy. She understands the way to build, the best way to build a family, the best way to do that is to be in partnership with the one who God connected me with. That's what we do. That's what we walk with. That's what we are encouraged to do if we are married, if we are in that situation. Again, if we're single, we're trying to build our family, and now the next points will apply to you, so amen. The second thing I should repeat after me is this. Say, wise women build their children's faith. Wise women build their children's faith. The most, the most, the most, more than anything, our children need a robust faith. I just said earlier that our children are under attack. And, and, more, and more than them, hear me now, more than them just knowing how to answer the critics and, and answer the opposition, they need to know what they believe. Yesterday I was driving with Josiah as we were driving it just, it came upon me as we were, we were listening to, 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 to some song and, and, and it, you know, he, he likes hip hop so every time he gets in the car, you know, he's putting on something and I'm like, okay, so, you know, we're listening. I enjoy hip hop too. I mean, you know, anyway. And I, and, I, and I said, Josiah, I said, you know, I said, there are people who don't believe what you believe about Jesus. And he was like, he gets his little, like, yeah. <laughs> and I said, but, you know, you need to understand this. I said, it's okay that they're going to question Jesus. I said, but when they, when, when they come to you, I said, you need to understand, he did die, rise, and rise again. And I said, but if someone ever comes to you and he's asking you about, you know, your belief or she's asking you about your belief or whatever the case is, you can just let them know. They have been searching for the body of Jesus for over 2,000 years, and they have yet to find it. And so when they do, you let me know, and I'll stop believing what I believe. Now, listen, this is for an 8-year-old kid. I don't know that he's going to remember that, but here's my point. My point is what is most important for my son is that he has a robust faith and that he knows that there will be a day that his faith will be tested, it will be questioned, and the question is what will be the answer? 
And moms, I'm giving you a dad-son story, but I want you to know I, I, am, I am encouraged. I am a guy, and I'll repeat this later on probably, but I'm a blessed man because you know what? I have a, an amazing wife who is an amazing mom, and you know what she does? I, don't, I rarely tuck my kids in. She tucks them in almost every single night. And you know what she does with them every single night? Every single night she sits down with them, she reads Bible with them, and she prays with them. You know what she is doing? She is instilling faith in her children. She recognizes that this is a partnership. And as a mother, you must ask yourself this question. What is the most important thing that my child possesses? As a mom, you have to ask yourself this question. What is the most important thing that my child possesses? Do you want them to have a firm foundation of faith or do you want them to have something else? Because here's the thing, and, and we, we got to keep it 100, right? You grow up in, 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 in poverty, you want to make sure your kids have an education, do you not? You want to make sure that your kids don't grow up struggling the way that you were struggling as you were growing up. So you want to make sure that that is an important thing for your children. But let me tell you something. What is more important for, for your children is that they have a firm faith in God. Listen, firm faith in God does not lead to laziness. Hello. Just send them to the book of Proverbs. <laughs> Glory to God. Remember what I said, a proverb a day keeps stupid away. It also keeps lazy away. Because what the book of Proverbs does is it shows you what a lazy person looks like. And you realize, wait a second, that's foolishness. <laughs> Baby said amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> amen. <laughs> I like it. It's important, ladies, that you ask yourself that question. And, and, and don't just ask yourself the question and say, yeah, it's important that my kid has faith. But let me ask you a question. How are you making that a priority in your home? How are you making sure that that is a priority in your home? I love, I love telling this story. I remember being a little kid. I was probably Josiah's age, maybe a little bit older. And I remember my grandmother, she asked me, she, used to, she, she was the only Christian in our home at that time. And I remember her asking me, hey, what story do you want to read from the Bible? And you all know the story if you've heard it before. I want to hear David and Goliath. And I was a guy, you know, I was a, I've always liked wrestling and stuff like that. You know, WWF back then, I think it was. Some of y'all remember. <laughs> Loved all that stuff. Always liked the bodybuilding aspect of things. And, she, and I'm sure my grandmother was sick and tired of reading David and Goliath to me. She's like, can you read something else, child? But graciously, she read the story. And then I remember her asking me, so what does this story mean? And I said, you know what it means? It means that it's not about how big you are physically. It's how big you are in faith. You know what she was doing? And that little grandson of hers, she was instilling faith. At that moment, my mom wasn't a Christian. Nobody else was a Christian in the home. And so what did she do? Grandma took it upon herself to say, you know what? I got his ear. I'm going to pour into him. And you know what? I'm 40-something years old now. Glory to God. And you know what I remember? In those moments when I feel weak, in those moments when I feel like, man, you know, I remember. It's not about how strong you are physically. It's about how strong your faith is in God. It's about your trust in the Lord. I realized those things. Why? Because they were instilling faith. They were instilling faith. Moms, what is the most important thing that your kids have? My mom, when she led me to Jesus, she, got, she finally got saved. Glory to God. Amen. She got with the program. Glory to his name. And when she got saved, what did she do? She didn't come at her son and be like, boy, you need to go get your GED. Boy, you need to get back to school. Boy, you got to get up and get a job. That wasn't what she was doing. She was looking for those opportune moments. And listen to me, getting an education, getting a job, very, very important. Amen. Amen. 
Let's be crystal clear because I don't want to minimize those things and, and have somebody walking up in here or listening online thinking, oh, Bishop doesn't think education matters. Education matters. But it is not the ultimate thing because you can have all the degrees on the wall. You can have all the money in the world and yet stand before Almighty God, bankrupt in faith. And my, my heart, my desire, my prayer for you is that that is not the way you want your children to stand before the Lord. So if it means that they miss something that they may want to do or you think they need to do, that you instill faith in those children. Because at the end of the day, that's what really matters because all that other stuff Moths and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. That's my son's memory verse. Hallelujah. But your treasure has to be in heaven. Because where your treasure is there, your desires will be. So moms, the question is, what is the most important thing? My mom, as I was saying, she wasn't trying to get me to do all those other things. But she would wait for those opportune moments to do what? Hey, let me read this scripture to you. Guess what she was reading to me, y'all? Proverbs. You know why? A proverb a day? There you go. You got it. <laughs> a proverb a day keeps stupid away. Let me read this to you. And all of a sudden, faith started to come alive in me. All of a sudden, a recognition, a, a reigniting of those things began to happen in me. And so we see these examples in my grandmother, my mother, and my amazing wife, the mother of my children. We see these examples. And listen, I'm using them because those are personal examples to me. But what I want you to know, ladies, is that you have that same ability. You have that same call. You have that same mandate from God in order to build faith in your children. Moms have the capacity to instill faith through conversations. You don't have to get all deep with it all the time, just in conversations. Just taking those opportune moments, being, not, not being overly spiritual, just being wise. Making sure that in those moments when they're talking about things that are foolish, that you make sure you direct the conversation in the right way. They need that. They need that from us, especially from moms as well in the house. Many times they're the ones that they talk to the most, especially at a certain age. Through Bible reading, as I, as I shared with you earlier, you can instill faith through the Scripture. You can instill faith through prayer. Moms who are married, let me just say this one more time. You should not just expect daddy to do it all. This is a partnership. This is a partnership. You're working together to build the faith of your children. Most importantly, moms must realize faith is caught more than taught. Hallelujah. Faith is caught more than taught. I know you've probably heard that before. It is, it is not just what you say, mom, what do you do? See, in those conversations when you're not super spiritual, come on now. When you're, when you're not so prayed up, I mean, has, has faith so developed your life? Has faith so impacted your life that you are really building the faith in your children by the way that you are living? The question is, moms, do you live the faith you seek to instill in your children? Now, this goes both ways. There is no greater instrument of impact or weapon of destruction to the developing faith of a child than a parent's influence. Let me say it again. There is no greater instrument or of impact or weapon of destruction of the developing faith of a child than a parent's influence. It's the difference between hypocrisy and integrity. None of us, let me, let, let me share this with you. 
The other night, Elaine and I, we got into a, an intense conversation. Some of y'all call those arguments. <laughs> My daughter, she was sitting on the couch. And I went in. I, was, I, I just went in. We had this intense conversation. Was, no hold, just, you know, just. You're already in. You're already committed. So just, you have to repent. Just, you know, sin boldly. No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> Repent quickly. And so we had the conversation, and then I instructed my daughter. I said, baby, let me tell you something. Healthy marriages, they argue. Amen. That was the instruction. (laughs) Healthy marriages, they argue. And sometimes they argue in front of their children. I said, now, you need to make it a point in your home whenever you are married that you go to your room and you have your argument like this. You do that. But in the case that it happens like this, repent. I stood up a couple of minutes later and I said, I want to apologize to the both of you. I shouldn't have done that. This ain't about dads, though. This is about moms. But here's the thing. <laughs> we're, 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 we're building faith in our families. Hypocrisy versus integrity. None of us is perfect. I share that because I feel the weight in the room, right? Some of you are feeling some kind of condemnation. You're feeling some kind of heaviness. Like, man, I've dropped the ball so many times. I'm th- everything Bishop is saying negative, I am that. It's okay. That's the reason Jesus died, because you are that. That's the reason why his blood was shed, because he knew that you and I would be that. He knew that. But listen, there is a difference between hypocrisy and integrity. See, in that situation, I wasn't being a hypocrite, man. I am a fallen man just like anyone else. And there are some times that I get to my limit and whether it's someone pushed a button or I was just in my flesh, whichever one it was, does not matter. The point is that that occurs. What happens afterwards is the difference between hypocrisy and integrity. Because we as parents are dependent upon the one who redeemed us. None of us is the savior in our home. None of us is the hero in our home. None of us is the deliverer in our home. There is a deliverer. There is a hero. There is a savior, and that is Jesus. And moms, you know what you should be doing? Pointing your kids to that savior often, especially when you fall short. Especially when you fail. Especially when your faith is not exemplified. We point to the one who we trust. It doesn't mean we just walk around just having, you know, in my case, having blow-ups all over the place all of the time. No. It doesn't mean that. I don't get a free pass because Jesus will forgive. Because don't get it twisted. No matter how many apologies I make, no matter how many confessions I make, every time that I fail, oh, that makes an impact. The hope is that the grace of God is greater than my sin and my, fall, and my falling. So we got to live righteously. The third thing I'd ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, wise women, build their children's character. So wise women, they build their husbands up. Wise women build their children's faith. And wise women build their children's character. I asked you, are you living the faith you're expecting of your children? Are you living the faith you're expecting of your children? Verse 14, verse 1, just look at it again. I want you to see it. A wise woman builds. She establishes. I want you to notice Solomon in his wisdom is communicating to his son, and he is letting him know, son, 
a wise woman, when you have a wise woman, she is going to build your home. She is going to build this home. She is going to establish your home. She is going to, she is going to make sure that her children have a firm faith. She is going to make sure of certain things that need to be right in a home. But then he says, but a foolish, but the foolish pull it down with their hands. A wise woman builds her house. So a wise woman builds their children's character. Wise women build their children's character. See, reputation is what everyone else sees. Character is what your kids see and God knows. Everybody thinks you're this and you're that. They, they think something about you. I don't know what it is. It could be good. It could be bad. But that's, that's your reputation. But there's something that your kids see that I assure you no one else sees. <laughs> there's things you save just for the home. There's things you wouldn't dare do in public. That's just how it is. That's not, that, that, that's not a condemnation. That's just facts. Character is what your kids see, and God knows. See, a wise woman, here's what happens. She expects integrity in her children because she lives with integrity. She expects her kids not to be liars because what? She's not a liar. She expects her kids to be loving because what? She is loving. She expects her kids to serve because she serves. She expects her children to be responsible and respectful because she is responsible and respectful. That's what she expects of her kids. She expects her children, and listen, if you don't expect this, you just need to know this. She expects that they're going to imitate her. That, and whether you want it or not, they're going to imitate you. They're going to want to be like you. These little kids, you don't think they're listening. They're listening. Or you think their head is down in some device or whatever the case is. Uh-huh. You'll hear them repeating stuff they heard you say. And if it's important enough to them, they'll jump out of whatever they're doing and be like, what, huh? <laughs> they're paying attention they're watching they're listening and so again wise women build their children's character see the whole idea of tearing down your house with your hands is this our behavior can destroy what we've used our words to build our behavior can destroy in a moment what we've spent weeks, months, years trying to build just by our actions. The wise woman, she builds her house. The foolish one tears it down with her hands. The wise woman is communicating truth. The wise woman is, is, is communicating how things should be. The wise woman is pointing to Christ. The wise woman is doing those things, and yet the foolish one is tearing the house down. See, here's the thing, and I'm getting ready to wrap up here. Character creates culture. Character creates culture. But you know what? It's also the reverse is true. Culture creates character. Character creates culture. And so, if you want to know how you are doing in the development of your children's character, think about the atmosphere of your home. What does it look like? Think about, th th think about the culture in your family. Think about the environment 
And ladies, I want you to understand this. Whether you are single or married, you need to know how much power you have to influence and even dictate the environment and the culture of your home. Don't get it twisted. God has given you great power. He's given you great authority. He's given you power in your words. So the question is, are you creating a culture that creates a godly character? Here's my closing question. Are you a wise woman? Do you need a home renovation? See, one of those words there for build that she builds her house, it is also rebuild. And some of you are in here and you're like, man, this is rough, Bishop. It is. But you know what the beauty of our God is? Is that he is a restorer. Is that the gospel comes in at this moment of our despair, of our, of, of our feelings, of our, of, of, of our discouragement, thinking about every single thing that we could have done better, every single thing that we dropped the ball in. The beauty of the gospel is that our God comes in to rescue us from our despair. And listen, the fact is this. Some of us have older children. They've already decided which way they're going to go, and maybe they are not following the Lord. Can I tell you something? There is still hope. There's a book that you ladies received if you were here on Saturday morning, The Power of a Praying Mother, I think is what it is. There's never a day that you stop being a mom. There is never a day... As long as your kids are breathing, if they're not breathing, that's a different story. But as long as your children are breathing, you need to know the power of a praying mother. You know why she's powerful? Because of a God that is a redeemer. Because again, it's not about the mom who is the hero, it's the mom who knows the hero. It's not the mom who is the rescuer. It is the mom who knows the one who comes to the rescue. It is the mom who understands, man, I was dead in my sin. All of us were. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. We were vile in the presence of God. We were ugly and detestable before him because we were living in our sin. Some of you may still be living in your sin. But Jesus didn't leave us in our sin. Jesus came. He paid the price for every one of our sin, for every one of our failures, for every one of our shortcomings. He died. He shed holy blood. So that every one of us would have the opportunity and the option to turn to him and receive salvation. So in this moment, this is not just about moms in the room. This is about every person in the room. And so since you don't know the condition of every person's heart in the room, you should be praying for every heart in this room if you're a believer. You should be praying in this moment. Because here's the thing, is that Jesus, Jesus came to rescue. He came to deliver us from our sin. He came to separate us from his wrath and bring us into a beautiful relationship with him. And so listen, you may be a person in here, you do not know God. You may be a mom in here, and you're not following the Lord the way that you ought to. And today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you turn your life to him, and you lay your family at his feet. You may be, listen, you may be a person that is not a mom in this place, and you know that you are not following the Lord. And today is the day that you turn to him. You may be in here, and you may have 
followed him at one point, but man, you've been like messing around doing your own thing. Today's the day for you to turn around and get right with him. Because of what? Because he is the redeemer. And again, if you're a mom in here, I want to encourage you because I know that I was coming hard and I'm going to come hard every time I preach because I believe that we need to be challenged in a great way to serve a God that is holy and that is righteous. But I want you to know, moms, don't walk under condemnation. Don't leave this place under condemnation. Let the Redeemer redeem you. Let the Redeemer rescue you. Let the Redeemer heal the brokenness. Let the Redeemer set you free. Let the Redeemer enter in and bring change and transformation to your heart. Let the Redeemer give you hope again. Invite the prayer team to come forward if they would. leaders who are available to come forward. And I say this, if you are in need of prayer in this place, you might be a mom that's in need of prayer. You may, you may not be a mom and you're in need of prayer. Somewhere the Lord spoke to your heart in this message. You know that you need to turn to him. Don't let today go by. Come forward to one of us up here so we can pray for you. Come forward. Don't let this moment pass you by. Don't ignore God. Don't ignore that tug that you feel in your heart. Don't ignore that, that thing that you don't understand what's going on. Don't, don't ignore that. Don't ignore that voice that is there that is calling you home, that is calling you to repentance. Don't ignore him. Today, turn to him. You may need to be saved from your sin. You may need to be redeemed from your sin. Today is the day for you to turn. You may need to reconcile. You may need to, to get your life right with God again. You may need to turn to him again. Today is the day to do that. Or like I said, you may just need someone to pray for you, to stand with you in this moment, to rebuild that faith. And so I ask you to stand to your feet if you would as we enter into a time of worship, as we enter into a time of adoration of the Lord. And if you need prayer for any of those reasons that I said or maybe something else, just come forward. We want to pray with you as we worship the Lord in this place. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good with every breath. I am made. I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me all my days. Have been held in your hands From the moment that I wake up 
Till I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness. Is running after, is running 